If you have your Bibles, could you take them and turn to Ephesians chapter 6? Ephesians chapter 6, and Tyler's going to come read. He's going to begin reading in verse 10. He's going to read to verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Thanks, Tyler, for reading that. If I took you back uh, several decades, um, more years than I care to remember now, growing up, uh, and I've mentioned this before, when I, when I had two concussions and when... I broke my thumb and had to get it casted and then recasted. And when I had to go through all these tests for allergies and asthma, or when I dealt with acne as a teenager, I always had to go to Eisenhower Army Medical Center. I grew up a military brat. And uh, in Fort Gordon, Georgia, that was the hospital we were going to go to. And I uh, took probably more visits than my mom would care to care to remember is I had to go to the hospital. In the lobby, as you walked into Eisenhower Army Medical Center, I don't know if it's still there today, but as you walk in, uh, right over to the right is a life-size picture. And I want you to see the picture. Um, it is a picture of uh, General Eisenhower at the time. And then there is also kind of a, a pretty full-size um, order that he gave on D-Day. And I'd like for you to just look up at the screen and read those words with me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to have you do that. But I have been waiting to do that all week long. Um, no, it's a, there's a framed copy of this speech. And I, I do want to read, I'm not going to read all of it, but I, I do want to read a portion of it for you uh, that he gave right before uh, D-Day, the invasion in Normandy. So, so listen to what uh, the general said at that time. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940 and 1941. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. And our home front has given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves 
of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. When I hear and kind of reread those words, I can't help but think of Ephesians 6. I know there are differences. I know it's a significant difference because Paul is communicating to Christians, people that name the name of Jesus in Ephesus. And the Holy Spirit has preserved those words, not just as like a historical artifact that we could put up on the screen and be reminded of what happened many years ago, but actually the words that our Lord has preserved, the Holy Spirit has preserved, give life. It is just as if the Holy Spirit is speaking today, not just to the church at Ephesus, but to the church at Ogletown that is meeting here this morning. And these words speak to us, and they have just as much authority. They are marching orders for us. And the marching orders are this, and and we read this, and we've read it again and again over the last several weeks. We have a clear directive, and that is to be strengthened, not to grow weary or depleted, but to be strengthened. And if we're going to stay strong, we know it's going to have to be outside help because we will grow weak and weary on our own. And we have another directive given to us, and that is to stand firm, not to be, not to be wobbly or give up or retreat from the, from the evil one. And again, if we are going to stand firm, if we're going to hold strong and not give up and not retreat, then we are going to need outside help. We don't have what it takes in and of ourselves to be strong spiritually. We've said week in and week out, that we are in a battle, that much of life is a battleground. And the battleground where we live, according to Ephesians 6, Paul doesn't really hold back. He tells us, according to these verses, you face unseen, spiritually dark forces. The battleground is made up with those same dark forces having evil strategies, launching evil, aggressive attacks. This is so much more than just like, you know, life's pretty hard. Actually, yes, of course, life's hard. But there's, there's more going on here, spiritually speaking. We find ourselves in a battleground. We find ourselves facing difficult circumstances. And I've walked through some of those over the last several weeks. We find ourselves on battlegrounds, and I I don't know that any two are alike, and I do know, though, that we walk in here with things on our heart and on our mind, discouragement after trying to do the right thing and having it just blow up in our face. And we find ourselves on a battleground remembering our past failures. Or maybe the battleground isn't your failures, but it's actually remembering times that were much better than they are right now. And you wonder if it's ever going to be exactly the same as when it was when it was so good. And maybe the battleground is more like you are, you're trapped, you're stuck, it seems like on a ride that you never signed up to ride on. And yet you cannot really see a path off of it. Or maybe you find yourself gripped by despair and Joy is not coming 
as much as you want it to. Or maybe you feel like more and more enslaved to an addiction, a habit, more and more enslaved to lust, more and more enslaved to people's approval. Maybe you're finding a battleground as just pretty much a slow and subtle drift away from the Lord. So you can remember a time where, and maybe it was in college or maybe it was as a kid where it seemed like you spiritually were like really following things to the Lord and going after him, but it seems like those days are a distant memory. It doesn't feel that personal to you anymore. It feels much more cold and distant. Or maybe the battleground is something you have virtually no control over. Your body is growing weaker and weaker and you're not sure exactly how to deal with it and it's getting harder and harder. Or maybe you are struggling, struggling with that eating disorder, struggling with cutting, struggling with harming, struggling with a mental illness that's becoming a heavier and heavier load to bear. And, and maybe loneliness is setting in or maybe fear is setting in and it's gripping you. And so I just know there, there are battles that we bring to our Christian life. There's a battleground and the questions are like, does the Lord care? Does he know? Will it always, will it always be like this? Will anything get better? Will, will I even make it? Will I survive spiritually? And the word I've wanted to make unmistakably clear is wherever you are in that battle, if I named it or if I didn't name it, God cares for you in that battle. God cares deeply for you in that battle. He cares so much that he says, here's the equipment you will need. He's not just saying you're on the battleground and hope it goes well for you, but he's going here is equipment. Christ provided armor that we are meant to take into this battle. It's, the armor is a gift. We don't manufacture it. He doesn't say, go find it on your own. He actually says, here it is. Receive it. Take it up. The armor is a gift. It's a gift for those who have come to the end of themselves. It's a gift for those who know they cannot save themselves. It's a gift for those who recognize, hear the message of what Jesus has done on the cross and turn from everything else and repent of everything else and turn totally to Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, what he did rising from the dead and say, I am trusting in that above everything else. I'm relying 100% on that. That's my hope. That's my refuge. And, and you go into the battleground and our Lord says, you need armor, you need protection. And so he gives us head to toe. We've talked about that from the helmet to the shoes. He gives us things like truth. And he gives us righteousness. And he gives us peace. And he gives us faith. And he gives us salvation. And he gives us his word. So that we're not left just completely defenseless against all these evil strategies that are totally meant to undermine our faith. Do you realize the gift? Do you realize that 
God would not dream of leaving his children, those who are trusting in Jesus, defenseless. He wouldn't dream of doing that. And he hasn't done that. This is actually basic Christian living. You take up the armor, you receive it, you put it on. God bringing those pieces to life. If we follow where the Lord is taking us. I love how this section on the armor ends because it ends with Paul saying, you not only need pieces of armor, but you'll need strength from the Lord. And Paul speaks of a gift of grace on the battleground, a lifeline thrown to you. And that lifeline is constant communication with God that's going to strengthen and stabilize you. We call it prayer, but it is just this constant communication with the Lord that it's like, this is the gift. So here's your armor. But it's not as if here's your armor, you go and fight a battle, but it's here's the armor and let's communicate. Let's talk as you are in your battle. Prayer isn't presented so much as another piece of the armor as much as it is what energizes all of this. And as you think about prayer, and and actually we're just gonna walk phrase by phrase. I think it'd be most helpful to do that. As you think about prayer, Maybe, you, maybe you've had a friend like I've had where a friend that you haven't kept in touch with over the years, but it seems like maybe a year goes by, maybe even two years goes by, but you pick up the phone, you talk to him, and it's like you talked to him yesterday. And so you can go like long periods of time and it feels just as fresh as the day you last talked to them. And actually where Paul is going to go is prayer should be something totally opposite than you taking long periods of time away from it, only to find like a a familiar friend that you haven't talked to in a long time. The kind of prayer that Paul talks about is actually prayer that's going to need to look significantly like that. As a matter of fact, look at verse 18. And again, we're just going to walk through phrase by phrase as Paul says, okay, you've got all the armor on, but let's, as we stand firm, as we're being strengthened in the Lord, we pray at all times. Pray at all times. It's a sense of urgency. Prayer, not just when it's uh, intense or not just when it's convenient. This kind of prayer is not, not how I often do like tech support. So the way I do tech support is I've got a problem and I've tried to fix it. And I've gone to, yeah, I have re- rebooted my computer. I've done that, yes. And so I, I've done all that I can do, and I know, I, I know what I want. I want this thing to work just like it had been. And so tech support kind of request is like, here it is. You fix it and give it back to me. I know what I need. You fix it, do it, and give it back to me. And yet prayer here is something different than us just kind of having God on a retainer in case we need him occasionally. It's always nice to have him available. Do you hear what Paul says? I want you to be praying at all times. In this case, there is never a time when our communication with the Lord can afford to go dark. How much, how much must the Lord love you? How much must he love us? That he says, what I want for you is to, for you to know at any time you can pray to me. At any time, at all times. I want communication. This is not going to be a bother to me. The prayer you made yesterday, the prayer you'll make tomorrow, the 17 prayers you'll make this afternoon, none of that would be 
like that's too much. He says, pray at all times. And not only that, but then he says, you're praying, but you're not just praying at all times, but he says, praying at all times in the spirit. Praying at all times in the spirit. And when I read in the spirit, it's, it's actually mostly relational. God, the Holy Spirit, we aren't given a form to fill out. Like we've got a, a maintenance request that we're going to make and we fill out the form and we send it in some impersonal interaction, but we pray in the spirit. It's personal. We're giving a person, a helper, an advocate. As you pray, God himself, God, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. Romans 8 would remind us that the spirit of God moves in our heart to cry out to our father saying, Abba, Father, you do really care. Where does that come from when we, when we may feel distance from God? The Holy Spirit works in us to say, no, no, cry to your father. Romans 8 also says, when we're weak and we just don't know how to pray, the spirit of God helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit who lives in us certainly knows us, I think we say better than we know ourselves, knows all of our ambitions, all of our desires, all of our wants, knows what's best for us. The Holy Spirit of God who lives in us perfect, knows the perfect mind of God, the perfect will of God. So when we pray in the Spirit, we are, we're going to our Father in the name of Jesus, praying in the Spirit. The Spirit is helping us cry out to our Father. You may feel inadequate in praying. I would guess all of us have. Am I doing it right? Is there, does it really make a difference? I would imagine all of us have felt that at some point in time. I remember Wayne Robinson sharing a quote with us from J.I. Packer one time before he led us in prayer. And he said this, God fixes our prayers on the way up. If he does not answer the prayer we made, he will answer the prayer we should have made. Praying at all times in the spirit. This isn't a ritual. We're going into a battleground. And what if we remembered, I don't know, what if we remembered even 80% of the time? I'm not alone here. The Holy Spirit is prompting me to cry out to my father. Lord, help. Helping me where I don't know what to pray. Right in that moment, the Spirit is helping us. So praying at all times in the Spirit, but then there's another reminder, and that reminder is the variety of our requests we can bring. Yes, pray all the time with all prayer and supplication. With all prayer and supplication. Constant communication. So we're not, we're not even having to think there about like, is this a detailed, highly scripted prayer? Do we get a quota like one per day? No, no, no. Praying at all times with all kinds of prayer, all kinds of supplication. If I were to talk about how I try to stay in touch with a friend, I might say, yeah, we're in constant communication. We're, I'm, I'm trying to call him and text him. I'm giving him other messages. I might drop in. I might say hello. I might write a note. I mean, basically, if I said all those things, it's like, I'm really trying to make the effort to communicate, trying to stay in touch. So if I think, okay, we can pray with all kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests, all kinds of supplications, does that mean 
God really is more interested in short prayers or long prayers, formal prayers, informal prayers. And the answer is like, he's interested in all of it, all of it. Pray for a while if you need to. Make a short prayer if you need to. Make it formal if that's going to serve you actually going to your heavenly father. It can be as informal as five words. Sometimes I feel like it's just a sigh and the Lord knows what's meant by that. Do you need to organize it with a list? Do you need to organize it with a prayer app? If that helps, do it all kinds. It's all, all kinds of requests. Speak from your heart. If you, when you find yourself on a battlefield, what if you just like, what if you just went for it this week? I'm going to pray. I'm tempted to be overwhelmed by worry and fear. It feels like, like the wave is just going to crash over me, but here's what I'm going to do. Based on this verse, I'm going to cry out to the Lord. And it may not sound very neat and tidy, perfectly arranged and aligned. But you have to know, as imperfect as you feel it might be, as messy as it might seem, you're not going to disappoint your Heavenly Father by praying and calling out to Him and doing it again and again and again. Where's your battleground? Do you realize there's a, there's a variety of ways, a variety of kinds of requests? The words, I love it. So we have the armor and then we have just a reminder of like be in constant communication, continuous, communicated, expressed dependence on the Lord. But as you go through verse 18, kind of midway through, you actually get more instruction on how this prayer is supposed to look. So Paul says in the middle of verse 18, to that end, keep alert, which definitely is kind of a, has a military feel to it. Keep alert with all perseverance. To that end, to what end? To the end of continuous communicated dependence in your prayers. Stay alert. It's a word of counsel because we're going to get tired. We're going to think, like, it's not working. I, I'm going to give up on this. We're going to have to fight to stay alert. We're not naturally going to drift into a lot more prayer. No, no, we're going to drift the other way. D.A. Carson said this, people don't drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people don't gravitate toward more godliness, more prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We don't drift that way. This is why we're staying alert because we drift toward compromise. We drift toward disobedience. We drift toward superstition. We drift toward indiscipline. We drift toward prayerlessness. We slide toward godlessness. I think he's, in many ways, been reading, reading my mail on that kind of quote, because it certainly is true. If I don't stay alert, I get fatigued when it comes to prayer. And instead of that impulse being, I need to talk to the Lord about it. My impulse might be to rely more on myself, to grit it out, but not to pray, to take it on the chin, but not to pray, maybe to ask for help at the last minute, but only reluctantly. After my world has caved in, oh, I should have prayed to give it to me. This is the way I will drift. And so keep alert. Our Father knows that as we get spiritually dull, it leads to all kinds of dead ends. 
Am I alert? Am I asking God to help me? Am I, am I attuned to things that will dull me spiritually? I mean, frankly, that amount of screen time, the amount of entertainment, the amount of things I'm chasing, the amount of priorities that really shouldn't be priorities, but somehow have become priorities. Am I aware? Am I alert? Am I hearing what Paul's saying, saying, you, you need to be careful. You need to think through the things that keep you sharp. Am I intentionally trying to have rhythms and habits in my life that are going to point me to scripture, going to point me to conversations with good friends? I mean, some of those you leave and you realize, I feel a spiritual sharpness just by their questions, just by praying together. When, when Paul's saying, keep alert, he's actually reflecting the words of Jesus in Mark 13, Mark 14, Luke 21, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he would be crucified, Jesus was telling his disciples, stay alert. Whatever you need to do, when I don't want to forget something, I will set an alarm on my phone. I will get an email reminder. I'll put it on my calendar. I'll do, I'll do whatever. I don't want to forget that. I need to make sure I don't forget that. And so I wonder if I'm that intentional spiritually to say, I will build in my life whatever I need to do to keep my heart sensitive to the Lord. So over time, it's not calloused and more and more layers making me spiritually dull. Keep alert with all perseverance. Perseverance gives us kind of an idea of like there is a finish line, but we're not there, so I want to persevere. There is an end date, but we're not there, so I've got to keep going. There is a time where this situation is going to change, but we are not there. There is like relief or rescue, help is arriving, but we are just not there. So, so help me persevere. Keep alert with all perseverance. There is going to be a day of rest and restoration and healing. Do I have the sort of mindset like, Lord, help me endure until then. Help me persevere. Help me not give up in the meantime. I, I love the picture in Ephesians 6 because Paul is saying to, it, it feels like to me, like to Curtis, saying keep alert and persevere. But then he widens our vision. And it isn't just about me taking up all the pieces of the armor and staying alert and praying at all times. But then... Notice what he also says in verse 18. When you pray, make supplication for all the saints. For all the saints. What a helpful reminder. I, I might be on the battleground, which, I mean, I don't know anybody in here who's not facing a lot of complicated, difficult times. I mean, the people that I talk to are, are, are people wrestling through some difficult things. And if it's not personal, it's family-related. But but now our vision is widened. We're, yes, we're keeping alert. And yes, we're praying, but we're praying for all the saints. Maybe you noticed, I, it would be hard not to notice at the beginning of the pandemic, if Americans know how to do one thing, we know how to market. And the marketing messages came again and again from every company imaginable. We are all in this together. We're all in this together by our product, use this toothpaste because we're all in this together. I mean, it was, it became just almost a, a joke, a running joke at our house because we're all in this together. And yet in this instance, I mean, I'm, I can look across the congregation here 
and recognize these are people, these are, many of you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what age, stage of life, spiritual, spiritual depth and maturity, it doesn't matter. We are in this, so we are meant to pray for each other. Why, why would we have Sunday Bible study at 945 and gather groups of people together around God's word? Why would we do women's Bible studies? Why would we have a men's retreat? Why would we have a community group? Why would we, why would we do this? Just to fill up a church calendar? Hardly. We know your Christian life has to be lived out in a community, not just you coming. I'm, I'm grateful for all of us attending on Sunday. I think that's so critical. But what if you had friends that you knew in a moment of challenge, you could, you could text them and say, pray for me, pray for us. We need it. If ever this was cemented to me, it's like the Lord knew this week. I, I think within a 12-hour period, I got three requests from very, very good friends saying, could you pray specifically for this? We are going through this. And all of them seemed like super intense. And you know what? It was a privilege. It was a privilege more than I can express to pray. And if you don't know anybody who you could text or email, I do want you to know, please, please, like there is a staff that would be so eager to pray. But actually what I would hope in your life is that you build friends and spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ that you say, could you pray for me? And as I prayed, I thought about it. I'm like, Lord, I think they're trying to be faithful. And I think they're really, really weary. And I, th- I, I know they want to please you. So Lord, give them strength. Give them mercy today. Make sure they know you are close by, that you're not distant. I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord. But nothing's impossible for you. So Lord, do that. What an honor to pray. It was hard to be a follower of Jesus Christ in Ephesus. And it's hard to be a follower of Jesus Christ right now. It's not easy. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine trying to do this walking alone. Before Paul finishes off, kind of says his goodbyes to the church in Ephesus, he actually gives one more word, and it's a focused prayer request in verse 19. He says, yeah, I want you, like, pray for everybody, but can I make one request of you? Can you pray for me? The humility of Paul. This isn't like super Christian. This is Paul, the apostle saying, I'd like for you to pray for me. And here's how you can pray. You can pray that words would be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. You can pray that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. So whatever battleground Paul is in, and he's clearly in a battleground, right? He's in chains, literal chains. He's in prison. But he hasn't forgotten the mission of making disciples of all nations. And he says, would you just pray that I would be bold in gospel words? That I would open my mouth boldly. I'm an ambassador here. I'm a locked up ambassador, but I'm an ambassador. And I'm an ambassador of a very powerful king and a never ending kingdom. And I want to give that message just right to all these people around me. Would you pray for me? I love the mission focus. We're in a battle. We face all kinds of things that are complicated emotionally, complicated mentally, complicated physically. And in the midst of all that, 
We've got a mission and we're playing lots of different roles. And some of those roles are going to involve getting passports and plane tickets and going to the nations like we heard on Wednesday night at our Impact Missions Night. And some of those roles are going to be played by people who have uh, bold evangelistic gifts. They're eager and they're willing and they're ready and they're just bold. They, they do it well. And some of our roles are going to be doing that and praying and praying for those that we send and giving so that some may go. And some of those roles are going to be doing exactly what you're doing, being a loving community, welcoming outsiders in who are just exploring what is Christianity all about? How do people live their lives? What is important to them? And here you're putting it on display as we gather. And sometimes that role is going to be sharing that message with kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews. And some of those roles are going to be happening at 9.45 and 11 as little children are hearing, like our kids and Kids Connection are hearing the very, very basics of the gospel. So they're going to be able to look back and go, there never was a time when I wondered if Jesus loved me because I heard it. I heard it when I went to church. And that's the role you're playing. And some of you are playing a role in the lives of our students who are trying to work out what does it mean to follow Christ when you're 15 and 16 and 17? What does it mean to make your faith your own, not just your parents? And some of you are, are helping be voices into that. Everybody's involved. Everybody plays a role. And so Paul says, pray that I have words that make things clear and pray that I have boldness so that I'm not just kind of sitting on my hands, not doing anything. Pray that I don't lose focus. So we have armor, and then we have our Father reminding us, pray at all times. What should I pray about? Pray about everything. What kinds of prayers can I pray? Pray them all. Pray them all. And so with that in mind, can I, can I lead us in a time of prayer? Asking the Lord to do just that. Father, you have told us to stand and you've told us to be strong and you've given us armor. We're held together by truth, so give us an eye to see lies and deceptions, things that promise a lot and don't deliver, or if they do deliver, they deliver pain and sorrow. Our Father, cause your righteousness to motivate dozens of righteous acts so that we would do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with you and before others. Advance peace through us. Your peacemaking and your peacekeeping, especially in this world that cannot get along. Grow our faith, Lord, our simple reliance that you are who you say you are and you'll do what you say and the promise to do. Remind us of our salvation, our rescue from death and bondage and sin and your wrath. And I pray you would bring, bring your word to mind so we can resist any cheap shots, any devastating blows that the enemy brings our way. Our reliance, Lord, is 100% on you. We pray because we believe. We pray because you've told us and invited us to. We pray because we love you and we're grateful you haven't left us stranded on our own. Your faithful God, 
keep us in your love. And so as a part of our prayer, we say, here is our heart, Lord. Continually remind us of the truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.